Hello and welcome to Bird Nerds, where we delve into the fascinating world of birds and share the joys of observing them. Hi, I am Adil. And I am Mariam. Adil is a bird nerd in the true sense. He can even make a visit to the grocery store a bird watching trip. Well, jokes apart, he loves to travel and is a seasoned bird watcher. He is also quite well informed about butterflies, snakes, and is a certified beekeeper. 2022 was his big year when he traveled the length and breadth of India, covering 23 states and union territories. He was able to spot over 900 birds in one year. He left no terrain unexplored, be it the cold desert of Ladakh or the dry Thar and Kutch deserts, sea coasts and deep seas, Andaman Islands, the Western Ghats, mangroves of Sundarbans and Vidarkanika. the northeast or the himalayan forests he ranked as india's top birder and was also among the top 2 birders in asia in 2022 mariam has a unique eye for a bird watcher while we may be busy scouting the bushes for hidden treasures her eyes will scan the skies and cliffs for raptors often catching a distant raptor's attention we may have missed many birds of prey if not for mariam's nudge she has accompanied me in many birding adventures to leech infested forests Where the leeches have loved her blood, arid places such as the Kutch, Himalayan escapades, and sometimes even waited along with me during heavy downpour to catch the glimpse of a rare leucicla or a quail. She is an accomplished birder with a species count of over six hundred birds. Join us as we walk you through various habitats and exciting bird trails across India. We have talked about bird watching being a great way of connecting with nature, building patience, de-stressing, and even unwinding. But I think we have not spoken about one more key advantage. Please enlighten us, Mariam. Well, I think bird watching is a great test of one's fitness levels. Walking long distances, standing and waiting a long time, squatting and crouching when you are trying to stay hidden from the bird, thinking it will not see you. running to catch up with fellow birders crawling to get a closer look at the bird all this by getting up really early in the morning even before the sun rises and the last one which is absolutely essential for exploring today's habitat hiking and trekking yes i know how much you detest waking up early in the morning and hiking definitely birding can be a test of your patience and endurance but think of the reward at the end a bird sighting followed by some nice breakfast as a bonus a magnificent unobstructed view of the sunrise from hill and mountain tops yes but out of all this the thought of breakfast is what keeps me going during those early morning trips in our last outing we were exploring a well wooded area walking along trails surrounded by tall trees slightly dense undergrowth encountering spider webs on the way Well, leaving that behind, we are now ready to begin our trek up a hill. No prizes for guessing our habitat today. We will be exploring the bird diversity at hills and cliffs, quarries, and old fort ruins. The birds we hope to find have a wide distribution across India. However, the flora varies with region, latitude, and elevation. Today, we are exploring a habitat of the Deccan Plateau region. where the average elevation of hills is around 600 meters the terrain is mostly arid but plantations are common here uh, pockets of grasslands are rampant in these hills 
and occasionally there is a dense vegetation to be found. We will definitely find birds of grasslands, scrublands and forests as well. Abandoned quarries transform into fantastic habitats that are rich in diversity. Seasonal rains create shallow pools with reeds that last till late summer. The forts and ruins too are a magical place, not only full of history but havens of diversity. On the west of the Deccan Plateau region are the Western Ghats, while the Eastern Ghats mark the eastern end of the Deccan Plateau region. So, although the average elevation may be just 600 meters, our habitat has cliffs with elevation over 1500 meters, and at such elevations, only surprise awaits us. A word of caution, watch your step when you're hiking up and even while going down. Don't make a run when hearing a bird call, cause you might end up taking a fall. Speaking from experience, I would say, Maria. Yup, very much. Well, in such habitats, bushes and undergrowth are quite common. Patches of grass, trees on the slope and some even at the top. Keep an eye in the bushes for movement. It is likely that you will find the grey-breasted prinia flitting about. A bird which is smaller than a sparrow. To refresh your memory, prinias are a type of non-migratory wobblers found in Asia and Africa. Wobblers get their name from their wobbly songs and the prowess to sing. Prinias are a type of wren wobblers. The name comes from their wren-like behavior of cocking up tails. The word prinia originates from Javanese prinia, which was one of the first of the species to be documented. So, prinias are easy to identify in the field with their tiny slim bodies, short rounded wings, long graduated tails that are often cocked up like a wren and their typical insectivore bills that are pointed and slim. We had encountered a couple of prinias when we were exploring the scrubland areas in our first episode. They were the ashy prinia and the plain prinia, hopping around and calling out boldly from bushes. The grey-breasted prinia also flits about from bush to bush, constantly flicking its long tail, singing a variety of songs from its repertoire atop exposed perches. The grey-breasted prinia can be seen and heard boldly calling out. It is a dusky grey bird with rusty brown wings, whitish underparts and a distinct grey breast band that is clearly visible in its breeding plumage. The tail is grey and a bit long with a black-white tip. The bill is fine black. The Hindi name for this sweet little bird is just as sweet. It is called Putki. It sounds like a loving pet name. It feeds on insects and even nectar from flowering trees such as coral and palash. Look a little deeper in the bushes, a little lower in the undergrowth. Going about its business is the tawny-bellied babbler. More brightly colored than its counterparts like the jungle babbler and the common babbler, but not as gregarious. The tawny-bellied babbler is a sparrow-sized bird olive brown above with buffy rufous underparts and sides of the head. It has a rufuscent forehead and forecrown and a stubby pale colored bill. Rufuscent is the color reddish brown. It moves about in small flocks foraging for insects on the ground in thickets or in low vegetation. Its genus is Dumitia which translates to thicket. 
well now we know how a behavior or a habitat can be used to describe a species oh ho easy there on the latin and science stuff buddy where exactly going with all this hmm i mean the tawny-bellied babbler has a different genus than the other babblers we have discussed earlier the tawny-bellied babbler belongs to a family of babblers timilidae that commonly are known to have a soft and fluffy plumage the babblers in general are a large grouping of birds under the passerines which are spread across seven families taxonomically speaking the common babbler the jungle babbler and the large grey babbler that we've discussed earlier belong to a single genus that can be easily identified by their noisy disposition gregarious nature drab coloring and large size they belong to another family of babblers leothrichidae a family of very diverse birds i mean the tawny-bellied babbler has a different genus than the other babblers we have discussed earlier the tawny-bellied babbler belongs to a family of babblers timilidae that commonly are known to have a soft and fluffy plumage the babblers in general are a large grouping of birds under the passerines that are spread across seven families taxonomically speaking the common babbler the jungle babbler and the large grey babbler we have discussed belongs to a single genus that can be easily identified by the noisy disposition gregarious nature drab coloring and large size they belong to another family of babblers leothrichidae a family of very diverse birds another babbler that we have discussed in our episode 9 is the yellow-eyed babbler which is quite different and unique and one of the only two babblers in its genus the other being the rare jordan's babbler which we'll discuss but not very soon these two babblers are unique in being good songsters very acrobatic in behavior and small sized but bulky looking with long tails they belong to another family parrotox ornithidae which broadly speaking are skulking birds of grassland and scrub with thick bills and long tails skulkers are birds that are very secretive and prefer to stay hidden who that was a long zoology lessons i know but sometimes maybe we've got to understand these birds and their taxonomy as well and it can be quite useful in field identification along with behavior and habitat which are also key to locating and identifying birds now usually on hilltops plateaus and hillsides perched upon trees or amongst rocky patches and grass your attention will surely be drawn towards a crested bird with chestnut wings it can be seen gleaning grass seeds or feeding on the ground such patches are great spots for spotting the crested buntings and this is what seems to have caught your eyes they are lovely birds to observe and every time i sight one it's quite a joyous moment for me buntings are slender small sized birds with mid sized wings slightly forked tails curved claws and pointed conical bills They have an undulating and deliberate flight. Their size is comparable to that of a sparrow. The crested bunting is easily identifiable by its distinct crest and chestnut-colored wings and tail. The breeding male is all black with a long spiky crest and has diagnostic chestnut-colored wings and tail. If you remember the colors of the greater cockle, then you'll surely recognize the similar color palette of the male crested bunting. The female is paler, dull brown colored with streaking on upper parts and breast with a shorter crest. 
Crested buntings feed on grass seeds and grain littered on the ground and show a preference to areas with burnt or charred patches of dry grass. They have a gentle song. In Hindi, crested bunting is often called as Pathar Chidiya. In this habitat, you are also likely to come across some of the common scrubland and even garden birds like sunbirds, babblers, ayuras, bulbuls, barbets, tailor bird, coel, brain fever bird, greater cockle, cinereus tit, Indian robin, ashiprinia, and many more. You can also hear calls of the peacocks nearby and may be rewarded by a performance if you are fortunate. This habitat has an advantage over others. It gives you a clear view of the sky. And you know what you are most likely to see flying high in the sky? Well, raptors of course. Absolutely. But before you chase raptors, let's spare some time for the little swifts. You remember the dusky crag martens we saw by the stream? If not, please check out our episodes. Well, the little swift also displays similar behavior but are not at all related to them. Little swift is a small smoky black bird with a white throat, a white rump and long narrow wings that appear bow-shaped in flight. It also has a short square tail that appears forked when gliding. Swifts can be seen flying at great speed in pairs and flocks feeding on insects and midges on the glide. They even drink water in flight, swooping down upon a water body, taking a gulp and flying away, and then circling back for another sip. It's quite a show. They fly incessantly throughout the day, being active at dawn and dusk when insects tend to be highly active as well. The local name in Hindi is Ababil, which is similar to the name Chattan Ababil for the dusky crag martens. Ababil loosely translates to a flock of birds and as we know, it fits aptly as the birds get hawkish in flocks, breeding emerging insects and thereby keeping a check on their population explosion. At dusk, when on foot or a two-wheeler, do you remember how many a times insects cling onto your clothes and eyes? Well then, do remember the Ababils who take care of them. Little swifts and swifts in general are very interesting species. Their special adaptations help them in their insect hawking abilities. They have streamlined bodies that help them glide and swoop with limited flapping of wings. Tiny beaks with wide gape help them capture insects on the fly by keeping their mouths wide open. There are few other species of birds with similar behavior that you will encounter in our other journeys. Besides the beak, they have tiny feet with all forward-facing toes. This helps them cling to surfaces but also restricts them from perching on surfaces. Little swifts are wondrous birds that you'll encounter every day but will easily ignore due to their drab colouring and up-in-the-air lifestyle. At nights, when they are active, you can often hear them. As far as my observation goes, their shrill, joyous screams are uttered as they circle their nests and also when large flocks playfully gather in the sky. Little swifts prefer to nest in fort ruins, rocky faces of cliffs, old abandoned buildings and even occupied buildings and houses in the middle of the cities. We have a nesting pair right next to our balcony. This nest is an occupied one 
taken over from the dusky crag martens modified for their comfort so while the martens had a nest of mud parrots the swift added down feathers to make it a cozy hangout in general little swifts make their own nests using their saliva to plaster feathers and straw on vertical surfaces often nesting in large colonies their day revolves around these nests and they circle far and wide and then swoop in and swoop out repetitively throughout the day well i recently found out that another member of the swift family the alpine swift is capable of flying at speeds up to 250 kilometers per hour amazing and at this swift speed it can easily glide into narrow rock fissures where it nests i think that's the reason it's called swift swift very swift Now that we have spoken not so swiftly about swifts, let's focus on raptors in sight. Common raptors such as black kite, white-eyed buzzard, common kestrel can be seen soaring on thermals as the day goes by. Do check out our earlier episodes about birds in scrublands and urban areas to know more about these raptors. At this elevation, you also have a better vantage point of observing the raptors more closely. If you're fortunate you might see them perched on the canopies of trees on the hills or their slopes That is a possibility but usually they can be spotted in flight circling above It can be a bit tricky to identify them Some points to keep in mind while identifying raptors can be the shape of their tail and wings Try to take a note of the bird's silhouette For example eagles have short rounded tails kites have forked tails Kestrels and other falcons have longer rounded tails while vultures have the shortest tails that appear mostly flat and slightly rounded. Put your binoculars to good use and try to identify any distinct patterns or markings on wings. Any streakings, parings that you will spot will be a very useful pointer for identification. However, raptors are best identified if you click a pic Hey, what is soaring in the sky along with the black kites but looking a bit larger? Well, I think that appears to be a Bonelli's eagle uh, based on the habitat that we are in. A medium-sized eagle-like appearance, soaring with wings flat, head projected outwards and the square-ended longish tail. It also has a distinct black band at the end of its tail. Ah, yes. That makes it an adult. as juveniles don't have the terminal band i mean the black band at the end of the tail well since you mentioned soaring our peeps may need a recap soaring differs from gliding as soaring birds make use of the thermals that is the air currents to rise high in the sky in spirals just like while gliding their wings and tails are outstretched these birds also have broad wings with rounded wing tips that end in digits Digits are feathers that appear like outstretched fingers. Bonelli's eagle is a member of the aquiline eagles that are mostly dark brown, have broad wings, and the lower part of their feet, also known as tarsus (plural tarsi), are feathered. Adult plumage takes three to four years to develop, and like most raptors, the females are larger in size. Well, yes, those are definitely some good pointers. Bonelli's digits are shallow, so they appear small. When perched, you'll also notice that the bird doesn't have a crest. Its wing tips fall short of the tail, 
and the feathered tarsi is quite clearly visible. The birds also show two plumages. Thus, you may identify them as in pale moth or in dark moth. Better take a pick. Yeah, that would probably solve all your confusion. Known as Morangi in Hindi, the Bonalese eagle is a powerful hunter capable of hunting mammals like hares and birds which are sometimes larger than its size. It also seems to like crows. It prefers to hunt from a perched position making a quick dash to catch an unsuspecting prey. Their preferred habitat has to be well wooded and thus such a place can be a hill or plains as well. Now that we have sighted an eagle, another wonderful bird comes to my mind, the vulture. Although the possibility of sighting one is nearly negligible but cannot be still ruled out. Vultures were a pretty common sight even in urban areas about a few decades ago. But the rampant use of deadly chemicals and pesticides, especially the diclofenac painkillers used to treat cattle, has caused an exponential decline in their population. Vultures are famous scavengers, sitting right on top of our food chain and ecologically vital to our planet's health. So what really happened? How did we get here? How did the population of three vulture species that peaked in the 1980s Decline by 99.95% from above of 40 million birds to about 19,000 birds. Well, keep listening to our podcast. A special on vultures is coming next. These three species are the long-billed vulture or the Indian vulture, the slender-billed vulture and the white-trumped vulture that now fall under the IUCN critically endangered species list. All other species of vulture are on the decline as well, falling under near-threatened and critically endangered categories. Vultures, as you must know, clean up the dead and rotting. Their digestive juices, that is the stomach acids, are so corrosive and strong that anthrax, bacteria, bones and any animal matter dissolves in their stomach. In fact, vultures vomit as a mechanism of self-defense. Beware! But that hardly matters as the chances of your close encounter with a vulture is near zero. Greeting a tiger is easier. In such habitats, the white-trumped vulture can be definitely found. Earlier, it was widely found across the Indian subcontinent and was the most common vulture. A graceful bird in flight, you will be mesmerized by how effortlessly the vultures glide in the sky. The white-rumped vulture belongs to the gyps genus of vultures that have long bills with narrow gape and very long serpentine necks. They are aggressive birds around food, fighting for best pieces and position of access to the carrion. Well, the word gyps is Greek for vulture and it finds context in English language as well. Earlier, gyp implied a thieving, cheating person, one that originated from thievish habits amongst vultures. The white drum vulture is about the size of a peafowl with huge wingspans and short rounded tail. It can be easily confused with other jip vultures. However, the adult birds can be easily identified by the diagnostic white trump on an otherwise dark body. In flight, the underside appears black but a distinct white wing lining will make an easy identification for the white rump vultures. 
If a vulture has spotted a carcass, it will not take long for the whole flock to descend for a meal. News of a new carcass travels fast among them. Vultures have a wide range, flying for miles, scanning the ground from high above, and once something has been spotted by one vulture, it will drop elevation. Neighbors miles away will notice this and follow suit. Then the whole flock will gradually gather, circling the skies above, descending with every swirl. I would like to quote Dr. Salim Ali here. He says, The obsequies are attended by a great deal of harsh screeching and hissing as the birds strive to elbow themselves into advantageous positions or prance around with open wings, two birds tugging at a morsel from opposite ends. Great words from a great man. The carcasses devote at tremendous speeds. I had one such wonderful sighting of Eurasian griffins demolishing the carcass of a horse. In Hindi, they are known as Gid. The white-trumped vulture used to be the commonest vulture, a useful scavenger and carrion feeder in the countryside, towns and villages. Gear up, Adil. It's trivia time. Okay. So what do you call a group of vultures feeding on a carcass? I think it's a committee of vultures. Well, a committee is when you see them perched on a tree or anywhere at rest. But when they are feeding on a carcass, it is called a wake of vultures. Uh, that's probably because they are holding a wake or vigil beside the dead. There's also another one. Interesting this one. A group of vultures in flight is known as a kettle. Oh, very interesting. Thank you, Mariam, for the English lesson. You're pulling my leg. No, I'm very thankful. Okay, I believe you. Yes, yes, please do. <laughs> All right. So while we were trudging uphill, busy scanning the skies and treetops, there was someone who was silently watching us all along. Mm. The big burly rock eagle owl, with fierce piercing eyes, perched on the cliff, merging itself with the wall, truly camouflaged. Well, owl sightings are always exciting. This guy is my favorite. We've met often. Our first encounter was together more than a decade back. We were in Jabalpur and decided to explore the gorge of Narmada river at Biraghat and also photograph the Dhuadar falls. So as we explored in a rowboat, high up on the cliff I noticed a head turn. The owl was there watching us amused. Yes, that was a fascinating first encounter with this owl. Also known as the Indian eagle owl, it is a large bird about the size of a black kite. It is a powerful bird with large talons and a powerful hooked bill. Dual color tones of black and tawny help the bird camouflage itself in most surroundings. Also, before we talk about anything else, for those who do not know, Jabalpur in Madhya Pradesh is almost in the center of India and the Bheraghat Falls, also known as the Marble Falls, are a must visit. You will sail on the Narmada River with huge marble rock faces on both sides, with the boatman regaling you with stories about all the movies shot here. Travel tips coming your way also on Bird Nerds. Now the camouflage of the rock eagle owl is just unbelievable. My second encounter was at the hill in my backyard. I was just randomly walking up the hill, moving through dense foliage along the ridge, when dead across was a bush that had dried up and perched on a 
horizontal branch of her bright orange eyes looking straight at me. Kami perched amongst the black interiors and brown dried leaves. The rock eagle owl was perfectly camouflaged. Yes, I remember seeing those photographs. It was an amazing camouflage. The Indian rock eagle owl is found across India. Prefers to inhabit open country, cultivated areas, rocky hillocks with bushes and steep banks of rivers. It is most active at night, although daytime encounters are not uncommon. The daytime naps don't mean the bird isn't alert. Other identifying features are the clear facial disc marked with a black border, orange eyes and large upright ear tufts. It also has a beautiful call. Another standout feature of this large owl is the well-padded tarsi and toes. Oh well, the owl has now decided to ignore us, bored by our babbles. So as we treat on, another surprise may not be that far. There, up in the sky, a rocket, a jet plane, oh, a bird. Wait, that speed, that maneuver, it can only be one bird, the peregrine falcon. No, wait, you're only partially right. Check the season, it's the monsoons. That means the peregrine falcon cannot be in India as it's a winter visitor. But this guy, the one we are seeing, is the Indian born, the majestic Shaheen. No doubt a subspecies of the peregrine, but a resident of India, marauder of the hills. A truly majestic bird feared by all master of speed and ace predator. In fact, the word Shaheen is Persian for majestic Kingsley. This species requires a double feature, Varyam. Today, we are only going to talk about our local bird, the Shaheen. Found throughout the hilly regions of India, the Shaheen falcon or Shaheen has a swift flight and a long glide. Any bird, a duck, a goose or a parakeet can fall its prey and how. The falcon dives at tremendous speeds, attaining a record-breaking 320 km per hour as well. And at these speeds, any bird struck by the Shaheen's hind claw, like a slap, is dead before it knows what struck it. Very true. In size, the Shaheen is about the size of a jungle crow. It has a black hood that covers most of the cheek in a teardrop pattern. It is broad-shouldered, having blue-gray upper parts, which is a much darker shade than the nominate peregrine falcon. The peregrine's underparts stand out even more, although the throat and breast are white. Peregrine's refers to reddish-brown iron rust color. Thanks, but was that required? Well, I like explaining meaning of words. Mm, okay. My first sighting of the Shaheen is a very recent one. Just before the monsoons, we had heard about the sighting and went to the nearby hills to investigate. And lo, behold, the Shaheen showed up diving, gliding and being all acrobatic. It put up quite a show then. But it happened to be very windy that day, so the bird perched very little. But we had fun observing the aerial show. Indeed, that was quite an aerial show. A side trivia about the falcon, 
the shaheen is my school's emblem with the motto of be vigilant very true to the bird as well which is both alert and powerful in fact our brand and instagram id peregrinator draws inspiration from the shaheen the latin name for shaheen is falco peregrinus peregrinator to peregrinate is to go on a sojourn and that's where we are taking you on wonderful journeys well as usual there are always more birds to discuss than we have time so let's wrap up this episode we hope you enjoyed listening to our chatter please check our instagram pages for photographs of all the birds we have discussed in this episode as well as the previous ones you'll find them as a compilation in our feed all photographs have been clicked by my very talented co-host adil we will be back next thursday with another refreshing episode where we will continue our bramblings about birds hey you too have become a birdsmith i mean a wordsmith so stick with us and we'll take you along on wonderful birding trails across india and as your understanding grows we'll spice it up with other facets of being outdoors make sure to follow us on our instagram pages you can follow me on peregrinator.in that is p e r e g r i n a t o r dot i n and you can follow me on mariam's pick clicks that is m a r i a m s p i c as in pick c l i c k s as in clicks you can check our show description for our social media handles make sure to like share and subscribe to our podcast on platforms of your choice be it hubhopper spotify amazon music jio savan gana or even google podcasts so make sure to tune in next week till then happy birding and a happier feeling goodbye